Hey, this is Cole asking a quick favor. If you're going to be doing any shopping on Amazon, please do so through our affiliate link, which can be found at duckfeed.tv slash tipjar. It's the same Amazon you're used to, doesn't cost you anything extra, and it goes a long way towards helping us out. Once again, that is duckfeed.tv slash tipjar. Thanks. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro gaming podcast. Yes, and this week we are reading your responses to the entirety of Paper Mario. And we're reading the entirety of the responses. Yes. <laughs> well, um, we, I edit them, you know. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> I guess that's true. We're not. Um, yeah, we'll go ahead and get started. We have a lot. Um, everybody came out in force, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get us started with Sam here. Sam says, via contact, I really love Paper Mario's combat and level up system. BP is the best. An unfortunate side effect of playing this game was I lost all patience for other JRPG combat systems. They all just felt tedious and obtuse. Do you guys know any RPGs that have combat as slick as Paper Mario? Uh, the Mario and Luigi games. Yeah. <laughs> a thousand year door, probably. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Man, I'm really curious. I need to like fire up and play the first chapter of a thousand year door. Yeah, I would, mm. I would like to play that game too. Yep. Um, I don't know other, um, I, it's a dead horse that I beat a lot. I think the Z-Boyd games do a good job of making JRPGs palatable mm-hmm. and they're like seven hours long. Yeah. Um, they have some elements of active combat, but it's mostly how they uh, deal with random encounters. Mm-hmm. And the like that make that uh, make that better. I think that when you're like, if you're anything like me, that just the thing I want in JRPGs is not necessarily the combat being that breezy, but just uh, that engagement. So if it's, I don't do a lot of it, mm-hmm. um, or it's kind of like Persona where it is hard and you, you know, even menial encounters mm-hmm. are tough. Yeah, um, that's the kind of thing. But for engagement, like without throughout an encounter, like that is why I I play a lot of like Western style <laughs> old role-playing games yeah because they you they're tactical like they're about they're about that mm-hmm. and it's, it's the rule rather than the exception I right think. um this is going to sound kind of weird but like a uh, um strategy rpgs sometimes do that as well oh yeah like uh like if you're going to play like a fire emblem or something like that yeah the fire emblem does that. and that's a different kind of game but it's mm-hmm. it's a similar kind of thing like uh, i have none of the problems i have with traditional jrpgs with final fantasy tactics mm-hmm. as as i've effused on the show like i love final fantasy <laughs> tactics and that's yeah. Because it is it is tactical. It's not you can't check out. Yeah. So and even Final Fantasy Tactics Advance has the kitty aspect going for it. I guess that's true. Like, yeah, Tactics Advance would be a good uh, if you wanted a tactics game that was similar, even though it's not as charming. Like well, Tactics yeah. Advance is good, mm-hmm. um, but it's not quite as charming as Paper Mario. Yeah. So, so. Um, also, uh, um, I mean, this is your recommendation, Gary, but I'll make it again. Uh, the uh, the what is it? The Dungeons of the Deadly or whatever it is. What? Dungeons. dungeons of the deadly yes dungeons of the deadly the the, the dungeon game you like <laughs> like i like lots of dungeon games cool <laughs> <laughs> you know the dungeon game the dungeon game the one that's in early release oh, darkest dungeon yeah darkest dungeon there we go <laughs> yeah darkest du- yeah that's a good good call good pull darkest dungeon has a lot in common with this mm-hmm. um just in that it is a small numbers rpg that you cannot sleep during at all mm-hmm. like you can never not pay attention um it is instead of charming it is <laughs> existentially terrifying and brutal um so you're, you have to be going for a different aesthetic but like the the combat system is as engaging as this and there's this whole element of placement which is something you usually only get in uh western rpgs mm-hmm. um but be- it, the order that you're in um in your your lineup is really important and not just down to like front row back row yeah. like final fantasy like um you know the the second position is significantly different than the third position and will impact abilities that 
you know, offensively and defensively. So that game, I can't sing the praises of that game quite enough. Like it's really mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And uh, is another like subversion of my general dislike of JRPGs. Yeah. So yeah, make sure to go and buy Dank Dungeon Daddy. Yeah, Dank Dungeon Daddy is our that's mm-hmm. that's that's yeah, what you want. That, 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 that is our that is our pro recommendation for the week. <laughs> Opening salvo. The um <laughs> it's also it's still in early access, like technically for a little while longer. Mm-hmm. If you are gun shy about buying it, even the the developers have been adding updates and new characters constantly. Yeah. And even if they stopped right now, it is a complete game. Hmm. So if that twenty dollars price tag for early access scares you off, don't let it. Yeah. It's as developed as like something like, you know, famously well-developed early access things like prison architect and Kerbal space program. Like it is as advanced. Hmm. So nice. Yep. Hmm. So hopefully that gives you something to uh, to work off of. Uh, Kyle writes in via context saying, this is my first experience of JRPGs outside of Pokemon. When I was a kid, I rented it, but didn't get very far before we had to return it. Cue me successfully begging my dad to buy it from from Game Crazy. Lord, this is a post of obsolete stores. This was back in 2000, and I still replay it with one of my friends every Christmas. That's nice. Mm Mm-hmm. I love how the levels come naturally, and grinding is not really a thing. Also, the level design is super memorable, and there was never a point where I was not looking forward to the next section in replays of the game. Um, This having been said, the final fight with Bowser has too damn many stages for its own good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know, the Bowser fight, I think, like, it just seemed, it didn't seem like too many stages to me, it just seemed like the two. The level has, is goes on for a long time yeah final level it was a real bummer so i i said in the main episode i had to fight bowser twice going mm-hmm. through all of those superfluous story stuff ahead of time oh, um like sure. like again you know doing the twink fight like that's that 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 was a bummer actually yeah um but i just read the something awful forums on my phone while i tapped a a bunch of times yeah. so game should auto save after every story event more or less yeah um or at least give you the option yep um so zane says by contact uh, Paper Mario is, of course, a fun game. With all the timed hits and genre-aware humor, one brilliant part of the game is often forgotten. The Little Oink Machine, or as I call it, Egg Pig Simulator 2000, is a great game filled uh, with subtle strategy and precise timing. As your first ten pigs fill up the pen, you begin planning. Is it worth cashing out on your consecutive pink and star pigs, or do you risk a triple collection of silver-white gold? Do you wait for the market to turn around before <laughs> you sell all your winnings, or do you cut your losses so you can keep playing? I don't know what it is about the machine, but I love seeing those pigs roam free. So we couldn't even figure out what an egg was, let yeah. alone see those subtleties, <laughs> Zane. So yeah, I didn't spend that much time with it. It also reminds me that we uh, skipped the uh, the casino that's underground. Mm, yeah, we didn't mention that, but you know that's mm. another kind of gambling game. Yeah, um, that's that's part of that's inherent in the game. And the reason why I skipped it is I just didn't spend that much time with it. Yeah, well, you have to you have to do the uh, the cranky Koopa stuff. To, yeah. uh, to get the to get the card that lets you in and i just didn't figure that out yeah and so, the, the, the first one comes soon and then there might be later ones as well yeah so i did get the first one but i didn't do anything else with it um yeah. and part of it is just because of what the person uh before you mentioned mm-hmm. um what kyle said is just that i was eager to see the next area <laughs> yeah so i didn't spend that much time like hanging around areas i'd already been mm-hmm. yeah novelty man novelty is yeah. great and it should be noted too i, I said this before like i uh uh spent i play this as an adult only mm-hmm. so as a kid i would have just wandered around like i did another like in games that didn't warrant it mm-hmm. and i just wandered around forever yeah um in areas that i've already been so yeah. i didn't this time because of grown-upness yeah 
Um, Davide writes in via contact. I'm sorry if that's not how you pronounce it, but that is my best guess. Yeah. Possibly Davide. David. There we go. Yeah. Either of those. Sorry. So mm-hmm. unlike most people uh, following the show, I actually never had any experience with Paper Mario, as at the time my N64 was basically just a Zelda machine. I started playing it when it was announced uh, as the next WAF game, and I have to thank you because I quite enjoyed it. Apart from still being an absolutely gorgeous game on a console noted mostly for having games that were ugly as fuck, every single moment is, uh, of it is filled with new and brilliant visual and ludic ideas. While in retrospect, it lacks a bit of the humor of its sequel, and the combat mechanics are not as kinesthetically pleasing as the ones of the Mar- Mario and Luigi DS games, the game is still great thanks to its truly unique charm and generally being one of the few games that uh, to depict known characters and locations of the Mushroom Kingdom in a fleshed-out form. P.S. Fuck the flower level, though. I'm glad to hear you say that. I wasn't sure whether it was like universally hated or whether I just hated it. Ah, people in the Slack, they were they, like, they, they were saying like, "Oh man, just fucking flowers." Yeah, yeah, fuck flowers, man. The um, yeah, yeah. Thank you, uh, David or uh, Davide. Um, agreed. Yeah. On all accounts, Nintendo yeah. 64 games are ugly. <laughs> yeah, and this uh, looks with, great. Like, three exceptions. Yeah, like. <laughs> So it's a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, agreed. Graham says via contact. Paper Mario represents the potential I see in turn-based RPGs. There are many bad game design traditions associated with the genre. But if you ask me, turn-based battles are the only mandatory element of the semi-canonical definition of JRPG. So you have a video game narrative with turn-based battles. What can you do with that concept? Many developers have tried to reinvent the JRPG, but where they fail is truly letting go of the extraneous traditions of the genre. Paper Mario was a different story. The developers took a turn-based RPG, stripped it down to the bare bone, and rebuilt it with gameplay systems that stick to a Mario theme and interact with each other effectively. There's something about JRPGs that I find so pure. It's a simple template with so much potential, and I wish more developers would take notice. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I wish more developers would do it well. I think developers do take notice, and JRPGs are really huge in the realm of, like, small games and indie games. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, the Steam front page is always full of JRPGs. Yeah. Like, or there, I mean, there are a lot of them on there and some of them are just self-produced, you know, uh, uh, like RPG art. maker things. Yep. Yeah. But not all of them. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's still a genre that is live and well, and also being done poorly <laughs> still. Man, um, I'm trying to think of like what the last big, like big studio, um, turn-based JRPG was like, it would have to be like a star ocean kind of thing, but those are always real time, aren't they? And the tail series is real time too. Um, they're semi real time. You have like a, yeah. a meter that charges up, but I mean, persona, yeah, I or, suppose. Or like yeah. personas are still turn based. Um, Dragon Quest are still turn based. Mm-hmm. Dragon Quest Nine. Yeah. Um, a lot of the old guard. It's just Final Fantasy has moved on to whatever they are now. Yeah. Um, but the uh, it's uh, it's interesting because the this reminds me of um, and I talked about this on the Slack channel as well. Uh, Cat Bailey's podcast for US Gamer is an RPG podcast mm-hmm. uh, called uh, Acts of the Blood God. Yeah. And uh, I they did an episode that was just like turn bit like jrpg because they're very jrpg focused like they'll they'll cover western stuff from time to time but they mm-hmm. do spend a good amount of time because that's you know that's kind of a u.s gamer thing mm-hmm. um and they uh they did one on turn-based battles and it's like one of a couple podcasts that like i'm interested in but don't want to listen to because i don't want to have that feeling of constantly like wanting to say something and not being able to yeah i have like such strong feelings about it that like if they're just on there and, and we're just like i'm not expecting this but if they were just like i don't know what people are babying about like this is great. I was just like, ah, you know, and they, they wouldn't be like that, but it would just destroy me if they were. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I haven't listened. I haven't listened to it. So I, I don't know that I could, uh, I could tell you. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hmm. Hmm. It seems like all the turn-based stuff has moved to uh, moved to handheld, right? Like uh, yeah. like Bravely Default and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Bravely Default is a big studio mm-hmm. RPG that was turn-based. And then iOS games, like a lot of iOS RPGs yeah. are turn-based as well. Um, and then like you also you run into stuff that is turn-based technically, mm-hmm. like Shadowrun Returns is, ter- is turn-based. Yeah, but that's more of a it, tactics kind of thing, though. It's, a, yeah, it's like, a, yeah, it's a tactics thing, and it's also like an action point economy yeah. thing. So... Like turn based is is too loose of a term, I guess is my point. Yeah. Like what, what we all know what we're talking about though when we talk about it. it's two guys in a field, like two teams in a field, mm-hmm. staring at each other and pun- taking turns punching one another. Yeah. Is what we're talking about. Yeah. So Ben re- writes in via contact saying, "I could just about fill a book with everything I want to say about Paper Mario, so I'll focus on how much more personal this game felt than Mario RPG. When you play through Paper Mario, you're constantly building on the story you already know and love." Every new section is a reunion with an old friend, whether you're fighting all the different Shy's guy or meeting up with uh, giant cuddly Raphael the Raven from Yoshi's Island. Contrast this with Mario RPG, where pretty much every boss came out of nowhere, up to and including the blacksmith robot who invades the Mushroom Kingdom from the Negaverse. You know, instead of Bowser. This is even more apparent with your partners. Looking back on Mario RPG, Mallow and Gino felt interesting to me uh, in their own way, uh, but I preferred using Bowser and Peach over them because I had so much more stock uh, in their characters and stories. In the same way, having a Goomba or Koopa on your team really integrates you into the setting. These creatures have their own societies and cultures, which I've already wanted to see, and now I get to. Plus, Mario was probably murdered hundreds, sorry, Mario has probably murdered hundreds of each one of his partner's extended family. So there's plenty of drama potential there. Um, There's always room for innovation for a stagnating franchise, but there's also room for exploring what's already there. And Paper Mario does just that, albeit in two dimensions. Yeah, I agreed on all accounts. Mm -hmm. I was surprised by when we were doing this, like the, the white knighting for Mario RPG. That happens, and a lot of it, I think, does come down to like it just being which one you played first. Yeah, it's nostalgia. I like it's, it. it's a. I cannot literally cannot imagine the person who plays both these games and and prefers that to this one. Mm-hmm. Like it may happen, but I, it seems like it seems impossible to me. Yeah, I mean, I could hold both ideas in my head. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and you know, like like Mario RPG, like along with Final Fantasy two or four or whatever it was, it was two at the time. Um, that was you know my first real JRPG that I played. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so that's always going to hold that place. But, you know, that, that that place. But I think even when we kind of revisited it, it was just kind of like, yeah, you know, this is this yeah. is a thing. Yeah, it's it's got I mean, it's not it's and, and playing it was not a joyless slog. Mm-hmm. It just it's it's, you know, I played it as a as an adult mm-hmm. again. So I didn't have that that nostalgia. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting the way like something can like hold up as an adult mm-hmm. and something else cannot. Yeah, it's not just like it's not a sweeping thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Agreed, though, um, about your points, Ben. Sebastian says via contact. Um, I remember when I first played Paper Mario, me and my brother and my dad rented the game while my mom was on a work trip. We built a giant pillow fort to play it in. That's great. Uh, (laughs) We eventually bought a copy from the rental place, but I never came close to beating it. Furthest I got uh, at the time was the Crystal Castle. When you guys announced you were doing it for your summer RPG, after originally thinking you guys were going to do a fantasy star game, um, (laughs) I decided that now would be the time to beat it. I played it uh, this time, making sure to cover up the problem I had the last time, using uh, most of my BP for stuff like Lucky Day, Defense Plus, and Dodge Master. I eventually did get to the end and beat the game. This is a great game, and I'm glad you guys finally convinced me to beat it. Yeah. I'm super happy that like people tend to play along with these. It's funny because that usually happens with the uh, with the JRPGs. 
Yeah. Which is such yeah. a huge investment. Like, why aren't you guys playing these 10-hour games? Yeah. <laughs> you guys will like Doom, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. It's super easy to get a hold of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that is nice. And and someday we'll do, we'll, someday we'll probably do Fantasy Star 4. Mm-hmm. Like, if the show goes on long enough, like, we'll hit around. Because <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have affection for that series. Yeah. And uh, and that entry in particular, and would like it, to do it. It's so. our it's our fault because we juked towards that as a joke, and I don't think people read it as a joke. Yeah, yeah, and it was a joke probably because of us getting confused of like being talked to on multiple fronts. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we have petitioners for that game, <laughs> and we were joking with those people, but it just hit everybody because yeah. that's how broadcast works. <laughs> Brett writes in via contact saying, I remember my Paper Mario purchase experience well, more so than the post-purchase experience. I was around 12 years old. I called my mom and I asked her to stop and get Paper Mario for me, and I would pay her back with some money uh, that I had saved. She brought it home, but I wanted to save it till I was alone and could concentrate on it, since I had other plans that night. I left it wrapped and hidden in a chair in the dining room. Uh, I had I had befriended a kid that not a lot of people liked. He was overweight, stuttered, had glasses, and honestly smelled bad. We called him S. Um, or I guess we will call him S for the purpose of this letter. Mm-hmm. Um, I had invited this kid over to spend the night, and then later I was invited to my friend's birthday party. I told my group of friends that I had S at the house, but they didn't want him to go. Being a selfish child, I left the friend at the house and went out to the movies. I came back a couple of hours later to find S in my room, sleeping in my bed with the lights on and the Paper Mario 64 cartridge and the N64 and the console still on. The game box shrink wrap lay on the floor next to the Paper Mario game box, flattened as if someone had stepped on it or uh, carelessly squashed it. I was pretty upset. I can't remember if I woke him up to ask him what the fuck, but I do remember him at some point saying something like, I started your game for you. I remember seeing the game save and that he had named it Brett. I don't think he realized he had done anything wrong. I guess I deserved it for being a bad friend. Oh, <sighs> everybody has something like that where there's it's tough enough, like being considerate as an adult. And when your kid, yeah. like when your brain isn't fully formed as a yeah. kid, you're just working against that disadvantage. That's that sucks. Well, there's also the element. I remember when I was a kid, uh, knowing kids that like, it took me a long time to struggle and figure out the idea that like it was okay not to like people mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like somebody could be that kid and it is do it's not doing them a service just to be like i'm gonna pity hang out with you yeah you know that's no good so if you don't if you don't like them and you've given them a shot shot like that's one thing you know mm-hmm. um it's just it's hard when you just have to know the difference between like not giving into like reputation mm-hmm. or what other people will think about you if you hang out with this kid etc you know, so like I remember having a lot of kids that like uh, who were these kind of prior kids mm-hmm. um, and trying to be their friends to be nice, struggling with it and then realizing ultimately like, yeah, like I struggle through this and I don't care about being being made fun of. I just don't have any fun with this guy. Yeah. You know, like this just isn't fun. And like that's a that's a line that took me a long time to figure out. Like yeah. it was a weird, sad reality that some people are kind of social misfits because like they're kind of unpleasant to be around. Mm hmm. Not everybody is a social misfit, misfit because kids are cruel. Yeah. Like some kids are kind of like jerks. Yeah. You know, and just uh, people don't like them for a good reason. I think the distinction and the discretion comes like in giving them a sh- giving them a shot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I, I was I was very much the same way. I was I was one of three people at a birthday party when many mm. more were invited several times. Um, you know, and I had to kind of come to the same conclusion before I just kind of decided to be a non-combatant in society. Yeah. 
yeah, agreed. Like, I mean, giving him a chance, that's the important thing. Yep. And it sounds like Brett definitely gave him a chance. Yep. So good, good on you, Brett. And, uh, it was a, it was a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, Joshua says via contact. I've always had extremely fond memories of Paper Mario that date back to when I got it as a, as a surprise gift from my parents. I absolutely loved it as a seven-year-old, and I've been a huge fan of the Mario RPG since then. I attribute a lot of my ability to read well and understand concepts to Pokemon and Paper Mario. Back when it was re-released on the Wii Virtual Console, I picked it up again and upgraded to the Wii U version for my 2015 playthrough. The first thing that sticks out to me in the game is how utterly charming and beautiful it is. I honestly can't think of any other Nintendo 64 game that oozes the same amount of charm and fun that Paper Mario does. It really has aged to be one of the most elegant games on the console. Hell, I go as far as to say that it's always been the best game on the console, and that includes any Zelda or Rareware game. I also found myself appreciating how user-friendly the game was. Only having to worry about three stats sounds too simple for an RPG, but they have somehow managed to construct an interesting and engaging combat system despite this. I like that intelligent systems didn't go insane with numbers in this game like most JRPGs, and instead focused on the moves that you do, or focused on moves that do double slash single digit uh, numbers instead of thousands. It's also simplified in a really elegant way. To me, almost everything about this game is wonderful, save for maybe a slow start and the tedium of flower fields. Yes. <laughs> Score. Ka-ding. Um, like every great thing, it has extremely high highs and very low lows, but the lows feel so few and far between. Without getting too into it, it's a shame that the series has continued to shift focus from being a fun and concise RPG series to more experimental offerings. To me, Paper Mario and The Thousand Year Door are amazing games that really should be experienced by everyone, but especially those looking for a palate cleanser from games that take themselves too seriously. This is a video game, and it knows it and loves it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I You know, I'm... Like, I, I need... I owe Majora's Mask another visit in a big bad mm-hmm. way. Yeah. I think this is better than Ocarina of Time. Like, I'm I'm not the biggest Ocarina, like, guy in general. Do you, do, you, do you hear that? That's thousands of people sharpening their knives. Yeah, well, well me and Joshua will take you on. The, uh, like, it just, it's, it is, it aims lower. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as ambitious as that game is, but I think yeah. it's, there's less obnoxious parts, and it is, you know, I think it is more, more fun, yeah. and more, like, it's, it's just leaner. Yep. You know, I, like um, I, I agree. Like, I think that like Majora's Mask is the only game on the N64 that really is like in the same weight class as this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, and they offer different things. I mean, this this gives you a bunch of charm, whereas Majora's Mask gives you just just oppressive melancholy. And, you know, there's a place for both of those things in your life. Yeah, I, I it is. A, it's interesting the way that Nintendo 64, like just because of the age group of people who I hang out with, like just mm-hmm. has. You know, it, it's a really popular system, and it is. It does have this thing where, I, like, it's got like ten good games, mm-hmm. and only a couple of them I think are really even give this a run for its money. Yep. Like, and and it's just it's just it's interesting to think of a, a Nintendo system that is that that anemic when it mm-hmm. comes to quality. And GameCube's really similar, right? Like, GameCube has some really good games on it, but if you just look at exclusives, like you don't look at at things like that. Like, we're looking at a handful of really must play things. Yeah. And uh, unlike Super Nintendo and and Wii which I think did a lot better. Yeah. Uh, even Wii, which is like has a bad reputation, but there are a lot of good Wii games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, it's interesting too, the, uh, when you talk about the, um, the only having three stats, the BP thing is so clever by like tying that also, you don't mention the inherent thing about that in, in uh, simplifying equipment, but they managed a way to blur the line. So equipment and stats all are the same mechanic mm-hmm. and it works really well. Like it doesn't feel too simple because you just have so much variety in, in build there 
Yeah, I mean, it's like three primary stats and then just a bunch of like secondary stats that you only have like indirect influence over. Yeah, but like you, you know, just the the, the subtleties are unlocked by the combinations of the ways that you that you mix and match those three primary ones. That yeah, you do absolutely. have control over. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's always a significant like giving up HP and FP. Other than that little like the trick I mentioned in the first episode, like mm-hmm. is a significant like you're used to those things just going up. Mm-hmm. You know, so like trading those off for more utility. Um, it's just like, it's, it's a even balance, right? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't pay off immediately. Like it, it feels a little bit counterintuitive to throw money into the stat so that you'll have to throw more resources to act as though you, you, you had gotten those other stats. Yeah. But yeah. it ultimately, you know, it pays off in the end because it gives you more flexibility. You're, you're, you're committing to less. Yeah. Yeah, it just works really well. Yeah, and you know something I was thinking about about the the the, the small numbers thing. We've 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 praised that a lot, and this is just kind of a small thing. Maybe I'm adult. I, you know, I like math, but uh, the fact that everything is kind of just on the order of magnitude of you know ones and tens mm-hmm. makes it so much easier to actually like keep track of how much damage an enemy you know like how much more damage you have to do to an enemy to kill them because you fight only a handful of them so many times like it just it's easier to hold it all in your head as opposed to dealing with what might as well be decimal points yeah i i have literally when i think about a final fantasy enemy even in games that i've played many many times i couldn't tell you how many hit points it has Mm -hmm. like i played final fantasy 6 like probably five times in my life yep um and i couldn't tell you the number of hit points anything has Mm mm-hmm or the amount of damage anyone did consistently. I could like estimate it within a hundred points. You know, it's just so um it just becomes incomprehensible. Yep. To no end. Yep. I mean, just like it might as well be decimal points. <laughs> like yeah. only, only the only the first two um kind of places matter. It's pinball. Yeah. Like yeah, that becomes pinball problems. Mm-hmm. It's Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> oh god. Sorry. <laughs> Do you need to take a drink of water to get that yeah. taste out of your mouth? Yeah, I will. <laughs> um, Alan writes in via contact saying, Nintendo's an interesting company when it comes to doing genres they didn't help invent. RPGs with Earthbound, fighting games with Joy Mecha Fight, and the like. I have a soft spot in my heart for Paper Mario, particularly for its sequel on GameCube, since both of those games do a, gr- a great job of making a product that was that has something for both RPG veterans and newcomers alike. This works for me for four reasons. Number one, the difficulty, while far from soul-crushing, isn't baby easy. Number two, small numbers. Gary, you've talked about this sort of thing before. I still need to play Dank Daddy Dungeon, Um, Mm -hmm. but being able to do the math uh, of an encounter on the fly is nice, and making small increases matter uh, can potentially uh, make character customization a little more interesting. Number three. You know what your abilities are going to do. Uh, there's a, there's not a, a lot of information that's hidden from you. They tell you exactly what your abilities can do. And while information overload uh, could be a problem, uh, somehow Paper Mario stays transparent about its mechanics while keeping them accessible and fun. And I wish more RPGs, Japanese or Western, uh, would at least do a better job with, with the transparency part. Number four, I love those badges. Final Fantasy XIII 2's accessory system probably could have taken a page out of Paper Mario's book. I'm not aware of what XIII 2's accessory system was, but, um, uh, you know, I can only yeah. imagine based on what I know about thirteen. Yeah, or based on what I know about modern Final Fantasies. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I have also not, not played that. Um, yeah, agreed on all points. Right, there's all good things. I don't know what joy. I don't know joy mecha fight. Neither do I. Um, and I didn't have a chance to Google it before I uh, before I recorded. Yeah, I put it in the show notes for anybody else who's in a similar uh, mm. condition. 
Yeah, I've never, uh, never actually heard. I mean, I feel like I've heard those words before, but I have no images or, or ideas <laughs> attached to it. <laughs> never quite in that order. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jesse says, via contact. I'm a big fan of the Paper Mario games, but honestly, I think the original is my least favorite of them. It's not a bad guy game by any stretch. It's got a lot of charm and style, and the small numbers slash action command style of Mario RPGs is always really strong gameplay-wise. Still, for as charming as Paper Mario is, the humor and scenario design just isn't as strong as in The Thousand Year Door, which adds just enough attitude, inventiveness, and stylistic flair to make a virtual masterpiece out of the groundwork laid by Paper Mario. And then there's Super Paper Mario, a game that a lot of people dislike, but I kind of love in spite of its flaws. It's the only Mario game that I would apply uh, words like existential and melancholic to. And for all the neat ideas that don't quite come together and experiments that don't really work, I think it's a really cool game by virtue of strong writing and top-notch scenario design. In contrast, Paper Mario feels a little, uh, well, let's just pretend I finished the sentence with any word other than flat. Actually, I just remember that Sticker Star happened, and that one doesn't look very good. I never played it, though, so let's just say it doesn't count. P.S. To add to the visual novel chat from the Zone of the Enders episode, Christine Love's Analog, A Hate Story, and its sequel, Hate Plus, are both really strong, um, erotic-free visual novels. There's some anime-as-fuck stuff that might be a turnoff at first glance, but if you stick with it for a little bit, it's really interesting, dark, speculative history, uh, speculative-slash-historical fiction written from a feminist perspective. Yeah. Um, I've dipped into analog and hate plus, um, but I've kind of been not, not put off, but just kind of like, oh, this is going to require a lot more mental energy than I, than I have at the end of the day mm-hmm. uh, to, 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 to really get the most out of. And I don't want to do it a disservice by playing it half-assed. Yeah. That's, that's, I didn't go, I, I like her and follow her on Twitter and then looked at the games and there was turned off by the anime as fuck stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cause is it, you know, again, not my favorite aesthetic, but, uh, I, like, thank you for, for the record. Yeah, there, there, there's some cool stuff. Like you're you're looking at this whole family and like it has to like it is what if there was a like colony ship that had the family structure of like Korean society. And so mm. like I'm super interested in learning about like family structures of different countries uh via gameplay mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um but uh but yeah, again, just kind of like I don't know, at the end of the day, it's 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 hard to 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 like really devote that. Yeah. And I'll just add this to the pile of like, I really need to play the thousand year door. Yep. Like, uh, throw that on there. Cause I, I'd really like to. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, like if you ever get your nut up, I've got it and I can send it to you. Oh, so. cool. Yeah. <laughs> my nut up. What? You're man enough to play thousand year door. <laughs> I don't, okay, Gary, this is, this is, this is something I just like, it's gotta go somewhere. I was driving home like yesterday and I was behind like a Toyota Celica, like a tiny little, like, uh, you know, just a uh, street racing, um, Toyota car and, uh, dangling from the back bumper was not quite truck nuts, but was too like oversized, like comically oversized, like hardware nuts, you know, like would go on a bolt. Except okay. hanging hanging from a chain from the bumper. So this was silica nuts as expressed through a pun about hardware. That's weird. <laughs> Have we? I mean, I'm sure we've talked. We've like that. That is like weirdly enough. Like even though it's more involved and smacks more of effort towards <laughs> that you shouldn't put effort into. Like it's. I like it better than truck nuts. Yeah. Because like <laughs> we've we've talked about how just unreasonably disgusting truck nuts are. Right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> some of my favorite exploration of truck nut ethics comes from the Advice Hot Dog podcast, where mm-hmm. where they simultaneously ask, "Would it be acceptable if there was a truck Volvo?" 
Oh, sure. <laughs> and also said truck nuts should only be legal if it's rigged to either a kill switch on the engine or some kind of lever that when you kick the nuts, the truck flips over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and kills whoever inside. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I don't, don't know if I would go that for, far. Yeah, yeah, die for truck nuts. But like it just it is it is one of those signals that's like, oh, I have nothing in common with this person and I don't like any, this person. Anything that has to do with the back of your car, I don't know that I, I don't, <laughs> Well, I mean, like, like a, a mud flap isn't nearly as offensive to me as truck nuts. Like, I just, I don't, like a mud, like a mud flap. I don't like nuts. <laughs> like, I don't like, I don't like scrotes. <laughs> it's not my favorite, like, object. Like, like there are people who like, because we talked about nudicles. Yes. On the show before, and like people who are just like, yeah, I got my dog. I'm not gonna get him uh, neutered because I like seeing his big fucking man balls swinging around yeah. as he. Walk they're, the neighborhood like what is what do you do what? They're, they're glands they secrete <laughs> juices like no, like i know like yeah no. i wasn't asking I, like, there are eggs <laughs> of a sort but i wasn't asking for a lesson like i don't I know just, but like, i'm just like, like no i'm talking to those people who value nuts yeah I, they they're just and but it's just aesthetically like it uh-huh. they're just really problematic and like out of all of god's creatures humans have the most disgusting nuts because there's no <laughs> fur on them like yeah like it could like cats if a cat's unneutered and has testicles, it literally looks like they sat down on like in an abandoned Joanne fabrics and pulled up two little like craft fuzzballs <laughs> for under their their butthole. Like that's that's literally all it looks like. It doesn't look like testicles. Mm-hmm. And then as animals go up the the hierarchy from like mouse to cat to dog to gangster octopus, you get like <laughs> grosser and more like like the more skin involved. Mm-hmm. Nuts. No, it's, it's, it's almost like there was some kind of like Faustian bargain in exchange for the spark of the divine that we received. We had to get uglier and uglier testes. Yeah. And and the thing with humans, like the cruelest joke is that like humans. So if they were furry, great, cute. I dig it. If they were, <laughs> if they were totally smooth, pretty disgusting. But they just have like patchy court. Like the hair on balls is the same as when you draw a zombie mm-hmm. and you want to have it just have a little bit of wispy hair. Mm hmm. Like sticking out, like just having a little bit of hair is way, way worse than having none or all. No, no. I mean, you're 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 preaching to the choir, man. They're they're, they're inconvenient, you know. Yeah, like yeah, they're, it's, they're it's, an, it's another thing I have to adjust. Like it's yeah, you know. And there's like, no there's no cool way to adjust them. Like it yeah, there's no way to, to look look okay while moving your balls from yeah, one side like, of the world to another. Yeah, the, 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 there's no suave re-rack, you know? No, like, no. And, you know, I, li- I like my dick. It's fine. You know, it serves sure. its purpose. But the, the, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy yeah, about it, is, it. It's Yeah, it's not my favorite. If there is a way to, like, just have them, like a surgery that made them internal but didn't <laughs> make you, you know, infertile because of the heat issues. Yeah. Like, that would be an aesthetic surgery I could see getting behind. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't miss them. Like if I went to go pee and they just weren't there, like I I would just <laughs> dodge a bullet with that one. I need to look at those bathrooms. Like yeah, yeah. I I don't. Uh, I'm not. I'm not into them. Um, and then to add them to something like that's the truck thing. It's just yeah. like, and it's also a bunch of gross masculinity. Yeah, uh, that, that, too, so it's, that's the thing that bothers me. Like I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm happy to, to 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 walk down gross nut lane with you, but like okay. it's it's the toxic masculinity <laughs> that's kind of like a uh, you know what like you're you're you know I think that your like your car as an expression of you like there's there's probably a little bit of value to that. I like having a clean, nice 
car that is practical and can carry the stuff that I need it to carry. I like my car. It's super cool. I don't like having to drive, but I like owning a car. Um, when it becomes li- literally an extension of the of what you consider to be the source of your essence, um, yeah, uh, that's a weird priority thing. I'm not. I'm not that down with. And again, it just becomes, uh, you know, I, I have nothing in common with you. Like <laughs> you are, you are this attached to your to your balls. Like that is an extension of what you consider to be your essential self. Like mm-hmm. can't do it. Yeah. And if you love your balls, if you're listening to this and you're a testicle enthusiast, I encourage you to write us love letters to your own testicles. <laughs> I'm not trying to take them. <laughs> like it's not like I'm I'm just well, saying Gary, I don't want I mean, to look at representations SJ, of we, them on your fucking car. Like Yeah. Well then it becomes everybody else's problem. It's confrontational in a way that you know what, I don't I don't value that kind of confrontation in any aspect of society. If I had seen those when I was young, like if they had been a big thing, mm-hmm. I was a little like what, how would I have reacted to that, I wonder? <sighs> Like, like, it's like walking around and I just see, see like testicles outside of my own testicles for the first time and they hang 11 inches below the back of a truck. Like I, I, like I probably would have laughed. I like it probably would have been super funny. I never would have gotten I, my own. Even when you were like real little, like I was thinking about like I oh, guess I was yeah. putting myself at like four. Oh no. <laughs> just, I, I was putting like, myself at 12. Like Oh no, I would have laughed at 12. I would have been like I got I, I got to go meet that guy. Let's go buy cigarettes <laughs> from that guy. <laughs> like let's get that guy to sell us a stereo. <laughs> Um, yeah. but as a little kid, that would probably have, you know, it would have been, it, it, it would have raised more questions than answers. I think, yeah, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't be richer for it. Yeah. Like, nobody <laughs> is richer. Like it, like a, a ball for a ball makes the whole world worse. Like <laughs> it is, it is, does not make anything better. I'm just picturing a truck mounting another truck. It's crankshaft lowering. You don't have to picture it. There's a lot of porn about that stuff, man. Uh, I'm sure. You, yeah, you can see a lot that. of trucks fucking other trucks. Yeah, I've, um, I've seen that. I've seen people fucking planes. It's yeah. Well, are, are planes fucking planes? Yeah, and planes like, fucking what, people. It's coming to the world today. <laughs> babies having babies. Planes fucking planes. Like, <laughs> some waterfalls left and right. <laughs> uh, just picturing the staff of the world's horniest riverboat <laughs> chasing a waterfall. <laughs> No, we have to gamble harder so it goes off course. Yeah. Uh, and then you just have the the gigantic truck nuts on the back of the riverboat. Just like slowly lapping in the, the water. No. Constantly like getting paddled by yeah, the... Yeah, they're attached to the wheel. Yeah. Whoop. Whoop. This is ridiculous, Gary. You ever know any of those guys who at parties would do the like I sat in some gum thing? Uh, I know it from the league. It, it's a true thing that I've seen before. There's this guy named Sam Brakefield who I used to know from my hometown who uh, who died and did a lot of drugs and was real that, wild. That seems like a, pre- a prerequisite for sitting in gum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and he used to do that. And then he used to stretch his dick over his wrist and be like, uh, I got a new watch. It's my penis watch. Do you want to check it out? <laughs> and, and he would have his hand on his lap where he had stretched his dick over his wrist and you just be like what's that weird flesh colored watch band and, <laughs> and realize what was going on for, um, for people who don't know <laughs> sitting in gum means you walk up to somebody and you're just like oh my gosh i sat in some gum and then they look down and your your scrotum is out yeah so. like, or, or like a part of your scrotum the part of your scrotum that looks like chewed gum <laughs> which is all canvas, of it which is, yeah which is that scrotums are disgusting <laughs> um, but yeah he used to do the penis watch and the, and the chewed mm. gum so. <laughs> Hmm. 
<laughs> We've only got one more response. Okay, Derek. Okay. You're up, buddy. <laughs> Derek, you're up. Via contact saying, Paper Mario is a great video game that I feel was mostly perfectly iterated upon in the sequel Thousand Year Door uh, and took all the great things from Super Mario RPG. Paper Mario succeeded where the sequels failed because they give Peach something interesting to do. I enjoyed being sneaky and really enjoyed baking the cake, but only talking to, to the HAL 9000 knockoff in the sequel was weak. Um, Paper Mario 64 made the MacGuffins less MacGuffin-y, uh, which is unique in the series. The seven magic things you have to collect all have names and a personality. Every time you pray for a star spirit, that star shows up to use its power. I wish that they would further tie them into the characters um, and locations and reveal them ahead of time like the seven sages were in Ocarina of Time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agreed with with all that stuff. We didn't talk about it too much. We just talked about it in the beginning of the episode how like Peach's like you know, so kind of a semi subversion of her damseling in this is mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean she's um, uh she's central command in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah, she she is uh, she's given more agency than mm-hmm. than you would expect. Yeah, I mean like um, less so than Mario RPG actually, which is kind of weird. Yeah, but hmm. but yeah, it's it's always her idea to go out and get more information after Twink you know brings back like oh news of the of what happened. Like yeah. she she is the one who motivates the the action, which is which is pretty cool. It's kind of a bummer at the end that like she just kind of cheerleads for Twink. Yeah. Like she gives Twink the power to save you, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a, a little bit of a bummer. But yeah, um, like, like if she, if she stepped in and took the place of your uh, of your companion, and yeah. uh, like had the it was her that activated the ability to uh, to you know uh, debuff Bowser and then do some yeah, damage. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, if she if she was super powered by Twink, that'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of Peach. Yeah, uh, she's great. Peach. That's it. She actually, I'm. It's gonna sound like I'm lying, but I said this in the uh, the live episode. On, but she's my go-to Mario Kart mm. character. Hmm. I'm I'm, uh, I'm a Peach man. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and that is meant to sound less gross than like <laughs> potentially. Like, I'm, a peach, I'm, I'm a peach man. I could eat a peach for hours. <laughs> mm, the juice has um, dripped in my chin. That's the. Uh, I mean, we talked about it last time. That's that. Have you ever seen Face Off? Yes. Nick Cage says that, and it's weird. Like, I can eat a peach for hours, and he says, would you want to suck on my tongue? And it's just like, uh, yep. what, is, what is happening? Anyway, wait, this has been a long episode. Yep. Um, there are no deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. We talked about business during our off time. So thank you, everybody, mm-hmm. for uh, responding. Yeah. You have things to say about Doom 2, I bet. I bet so. Yeah. And uh, you can head over to duckfeed.tv forward slash contact and do so mm-hmm. yep. in a safe environment. Or you can check out our uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash watch out for fireballs, where we put up those prompts and we're talking about Doom uh, as well on there and some of the some of the weird culture that is cropped up around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, after that, it is King of Dragon Pass and Blaster Master. So if you have things about to say about those, uh, you can also hit us up. Mm-hmm. And you know all the regular things, uh, patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv, ratings, reviews, um, Amazon referral link at duckfeedtv forward slash tip jar. Yeah. All the things. Mm-hmm. Do them up. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed these episodes. And if you played uh, Paper Mario again, you know, replayed it for the show or played it for the first time, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what should they watch out for until next time, Cole? Uh, they should watch out for um, Caco Demons. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. With, with truck nuts. <laughs>
Mara. Uh, sorry. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> I burped and I tried to hide it. Well, didn't tell the children to watch paper Who I guess the parents from Vincent Price. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> mm. All right.